0: Tim, season three episode 24 stats no matter lucky nfl week 13 and by lucky i mean not for me but for you uh, not a lucky week for baker mayfield either in our cups this week it's a bourbon barrel style from billings montana i don't know if you know this montanans make some good beer uh follow us on instagram at stats no matter and on twitter at stats podcast all things beer and sports and find stats no matter wherever you get your podcasts sit your spotify google tim let's get into the fucking show let's go that's good. so we were just talking here this is like probably if you went back and actually took a look this has got to be like oh i don't know the fourth time in the last like six episodes that i've i've gone bourbon barrel stout here mm. uh it was 30 degrees this morning This is not virginia weather tim so, yeah. just can you do me a favor and just keep your fucking crazy weather up there with your tornadoes and your snowstorms and your, your <laughs> sunshine and your rainbow? Just, just keep it up there, okay? Yeah. I'm used to things down here, 40s, okay, 30s. What? Get out of here. So, I'm I'll be running to Miami for a couple of days to uh, get the hell out of this weather. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, man. I think it was actually warmer
1: up here for the the start of the day. I think it was. Uh... Although we capped it at like forty five degrees today, <laughs> that's not.
0: Yeah. Yeesh. It's not particularly warm, but it hasn't been particularly cold yet either. Oh, the dog was super excited this morning when he uh, when he walked outside. He was like, "Oh yeah, got the, I got this nice coat." And I'm like all bundled up, and everyone's looking at me weird. I'm like wearing like an L bean coat. I got a hat on, gloves. I'm just like, don't ask questions. Thirty <laughs> degrees out in Virginia. What what the fuck is this? Ah, uh, okay, so um. Barrel-aged Imperial Stout by any, oh, sorry, by all means, not any means, uh, from Billings, Montana. And uh, shout out to the beer stork. This is an Imperial Stout barrel-aged in Basil Hayden barrels infused with chocolate, raspberry, and vanilla. Hmm. Now, I told my wife this the other day. I said, you know, the reason I'm getting into all these bourbon barrel beers is so that eventually I'll just get the taste and and we have people over. We'll play poker. We'll play a game or whatever. And like everyone gets like Scotch on the rocks or bourbon on the rocks. And I'm just like, no, I'll have a beer. I'm like maybe in the future. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, maybe. I got, I, I don't know. I I mean, I got you guys skip, like, skip the skip the Scotch.
1: Yeah, skip the Scotch. That's that's too bold. That's too aggressive to like dip your toes into. You got to go uh like Basil Hayden that you got right there isn't so bad if you do the Basil Hayden Dark. It's a it's a rye. Um, on its own, might be a bit too much for you, but uh, in like a an old fashioned or Manhattan or something like that, that's probably not a terrible choice, especially for the price yeah. point. There are other better whiskeys you can get for that price point, though. So,
0: mm. yeah, definitely found it. Um, okay, I just had a sip of this thing. The barrel is very, very smooth. I've never had Basil Hayden, so I don't, I don't know what the frame of reference is, but I can definitely tell there's not a sting on the way in, and the chocolate and the raspberry at the end feels like one of those chalk covered like cherries but it's got raspberry in it i don't really taste too much of the vanilla but that's okay because the chocolate and the raspberry and the barrel age all have like a 33rd and a third share in the beer this is very good this is getting a 4-4 four, four for me um, wow it would probably it probably be a little bit higher it's not retaining a lot of a lot of head yeah. to be honest i mean it's just it's loaded to the gills with adjunct so i'm not really surprised by that Just yep. a nice thin little line there on top so i know it's not flat um and i was was going to say typically. i'm saying
1: i think typically for a lot of these beers that's that's the case when it's when it's aged like that there isn't uh there isn't a lot of head retention on it it's not overly carved either a lot of times so it relies mostly on that you know that smooth head that the, the smooth head this sounds like pornographic film we're talking about here but relies a little <laughs> bit on some of that like mouth feel and and,
0: and some of the, the aging to really pop there but uh mm. in any event uh, I, I, yeah, yeah i gotta tell you that that's that's really good um it you know it's it's that weather when it gets to be this cold here i do get a i got post shift on the keg though perfect football beer by jack dabby so yeah uh, very very good but uh yeah man that uh that is what's what's in the what's in the glass Shout
1: out yeah. to the beer store. Appreciate you. Yeah, I uh, we <coughs> got a, a weird little bug running through the family, uh, so I'm actually gonna forego tonight's beer in exchange for some water and hydration because uh, this one's a dude. Everybody, the, uh, everybody up this way is sick. My my just, wife just was put like, a
0: little put a little day coil or night coil in a cup. You know what I mean? And just, oh, like, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Solid uh, <laughs> two point two. <laughs> 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 I'll start doing some, some, some coding
0: and lean, uh, uh, ratings oh, on, boy. on the podcast. Yes. No, um, I would say we're a family yeah. podcast, but that's, that's not the case. We're not. That yeah, brings no. me to a, a good question though, Tim. Yeah. Bourbon barrel beers are, they're having their moment, I think, right? It seems like everyone and their mother has got a bourbon barrel aged beer. Yeah. And we know that there are some breweries who just do it excellent 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 because it's been part of their beer program since they began and there are definitely a lot of newcomers to the scene who just mm-hmm. throw a whole bunch of shit in a barrel leave it there for a year strain it can it bottle it call it a day you know give me like two or three of your like top bourbon barrel breweries okay
1: uh we well, you know who number one's going to be because that's sort of a staple of theirs and that is yeah. uh angry chair and that's not just fanboying over it it's just they do it incredibly incredibly well none of the if they're going for a sweet stout it like hits the spot uh in terms of like what their flavored profile and and goal is it's not just like sweet for the sake of being sweet like uh they have one called rocky road that tastes exactly like rocky road that happens to be uh aged in in bourbon barrels or um something on those lines that's it's not just sweet for the sake of sweet a lot of Breweries, I think, use sweet flavors or like stronger flavors like peanut butter or coconut and things like that to help mask maybe what might not be the best product. Um, so when you when you bourbon barrel age something, you brew the base beer, you throw it in a barrel, and then you don't adjunct it until after that process is done. It's usually in like the last few months where you actually throw in what your flavor is gonna be. So all of these places have a chance to taste what that's like before they even adjunct it and i think adjuncting helps act as like a scapegoat or like a cover-up for maybe processes that didn't come out quite as well so it is it is a tough process to do i mean it has to it, it suffers the same you know circumstances externally that like a whiskey does where temperature and and fluctuation on the our height on the on the shelves and all that stuff kind of plays into it a little bit the quality of the barrel plays a major role in it. Um, if it's you, So the way the process generally works is a, a distillery is not allowed to use the same barrel more than once. So once they use it, they offload it, and it gets shipped to a brewery or a winery. But there it can be used a couple times. So one batch may not be the same as the next batch that brewery makes because either it's a different barrel or maybe they're using the same barrel. And There's only so much you can pull out of those barrels. You know, usually I think like two or three times, and maybe is, is max for what they're shooting for. Um, but Angry Chair easily number one. Um, Barreled Souls is probably number two for me. Um, they're state Pup. If if you haven't had it yet, you got to find oh, yeah. it. Uh, any, I mean, in my opinion, any of we had a Butterfinger one on the on, that I reviewed on here that I thought was one of the better ones I've had. Also, if you live in uh, Maine or you're visiting Maine and you want to try any of it. There's a uh, what's that pizza place right in the old public market? Um, crust? No, it's gonna kill me. So I have to figure this out now. Oh, slab.
0: Oh, yeah. Never been there. Never, never been, been there? there. Oh my never gosh, been there. slab. Because yeah, what I used to do down down the street from Time to Temperature is also because Auto is on that same street, but then so is Nosh. And I would just go to Nosh all the time, especially for the Buffalo fries.
1: Yeah. So Nosh is phenomenal. But man, if you love pizza, Slab is uh, just, it's incredible pizza.
0: It's a Sicilian place up there because it's it's next to Taco Escobar, right?
1: It comes out like with these like thick, like wood fire pieces, uh, pizzas and whatnot. But their beer menu is also phenomenal. And they have... um, uh, barreled souls, state puff, on draft all the time. So if you're up yeah. that way and you're looking for one, uh, and you want to try it, and you can't make it to, uh and you can't make it to the brewery Saco. itself, which is in Saco, uh Swing by there and try it. That's one of their staple. It's one of their best ones that they make. Um, and I think all of them even get tagged as, as slab. It may be like a collaboration that they do specific, um, or that's where it originated from but go get it try it it is it's phenomenal it's one of their best beers and i think it's one of the highest rated ones that i had uh on the show so far
0: um sure so that's number 2 who's number 3 who rounds out of the top
1: 3 man uh that's a tough i mean trillium used to be really really good at it i haven't had any of them in in quite a while so like treehouse comes to mind as a as one that does a really good job with that um trying to think of standouts like some of the jay wakefield ones that are out there are also really good three three could be a toss-up between a couple number one and number two were like definitive like there's if yeah. someone came to me and said i want to get into barrel aged beers who am i gonna go with uh, i'm gonna say one of those two a Black blackhawk brewing um used to to make one called leaves a mark that was leaves mark, yep. just a, a barrel aged stout i think i did one in our first season and it was it's just phenomenal it's like um uh, it's like this rich, dark, smooth, stout that has some there's no chocolate in it, but it takes on like this chocolate milk sort of characteristic but then after it gets barrel aged and it was originally a collab with like a local tattoo artist uh it just came out incredibly incredibly well and it's one of those that anytime I see it or uh they do a barrel aged um a barrel aged event every year, and some of the products that come out of there from like some of the some of the local places are great but leaves mark is going to be one of my favorites, but in terms of which one is the best in, the, in those three, uh, I mean, for, for running at the third spot, I would have to say Treehouse or Trillium or Jay Wakefield. One of those three, probably. Interesting. Interesting. So, I know it sounds like I'm just naming all of the big ones, but when you have that much cash to throw at a, a barrel aging program, it tends to do pretty well. And you can forget about the ones that get screwed up. Um, Treehouse does yeah. an amazing, amazing
0: job as well. Interesting. I I would start off and say my number one would, would be Barreled Souls. I just don't know of another brewery that can do barrel aging like the way that they do. You know, it's nice when they, they put out like paper planes or a double dry hop, like, you know, sour, because it's just like it's fun for them. They're just they're, they're just they're trying to get better. Right. But I mm-hmm. just I don't understand how they're able to do the things that they do. Uh, yeah. And Puffed is just one of my favorite beers of all time. Uh, it's just, it's just ridiculously good. So they would be number one for me. Um, and f- for those two... who don't know,
1: paper Plains is one of their first, like major beers of notoriety from, I don't know, four or five years ago when yeah, I knew what you, you know, gotta do to keep the lights yeah. on. Right. When lunch and all those things were the, the big go-to beers in Maine, uh, that came out and it was similar in terms of like everyone trying to get it. Austin street had one. Everybody had that west coast style that everybody really, really loved. It's still a really, really good beer. But they've kind of been transitioning not not been transitioning their their most notable
0: beers now are the uh the aged stouts but go ahead who's your number two it's it sounds weird to say because they're not the same anymore but modern times
1: mm. modern, times, kind modern times
0: ridiculous they were so good now they've fallen on hard times because they grew a little too big too fast but maui brewing co has bought them so i wonder what this is going to do right you have a company that, like Maui Brewing Co., which, I mean, if you've ever been to Hawaii or even on the West Coast and you've had some of their beers, you're like, ah, whatever. It's like run-of-the-mill. But I don't think you understand what it's like to have a bikini blonde in Maui watching the sunset or getting a yeah. big swell, which is an American IPA. their coconut you know, like porter is phenomenal. The coconut porter is ridiculous. And I got a chance to get a, a barrel-aged version of the coconut porter. And I was like, I'm going to bring this back when Chelsea and I went there. And I was like, no, I'm drinking it in the room. I'm <laughs> just kidding. It's not surviving the trip. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. Modern times barrel program was ridiculous. Ridiculous for a long time. And they're in a bit of a limbo right now, but I think that they can kind of keep the fire going. So I would say just based off of that, and shout out to uh, Rainier Growlers, Ben, Rainier Growlers. Uh, he, he, every time I've been to Seattle, he's he's always hooked me up. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I've brought, you know, beers out, uh, of course, but uh, he's always found, like, some modern times, like, version that. Which uh, just, which just really good. So that'd be number two. And then number three for me is it's going to be a little weird, but it ought to be like an other half or a Jay Wakefield. Like when there are breweries that put so much effort into adjuncts. Um, and I'm just thinking of a couple that I've had at like other half DC, like a cookies and cream or like a mm-hmm. peanut butter smoothie. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's something different. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that's, that's so great about craft beer. You could get into craft beer and you could be like, oh man, I only like German pilsners or lagers. All right, cool. But some somewhere down the line, someone's going to give you a kettle sour or someone's going to give you a bourbon barrel ale from someplace you've never heard of before and you're going to be open to it because it's done so well, exquisitely. Um, and, and that's what I would had to give. I got to give a toss up though. I'm going to Miami. So if I'm saying right now, I'm going to go other half, but ask me next week. You know what I mean? And I, I could have just had some incredible stuff at Jay Wakes and, and say something different.
1: I know, you know, a couple others too that, and again, this is just from what I've had because I know there's a shit ton out there, like Horace makes them, Calusa makes them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, a couple that I forgot about that are worth considering is um, Botologic, Prairie, and uh, actually come to think of it, I think my third above the ones I talked about earlier were, were Psycho Brewing. I don't remember where in Florida they are, but um I want to say Tampa
0: or Fort Lauderdale.
1: Let me, let me see. Uh Miram.
0: I just had a cycle a couple weeks ago. It was it was actually pretty good. I had it on Thanksgiving. Sokol uh, Brewing
1: is in St. Petersburg. St. Pete's. Yeah. Um but yeah, forgo- I mean I forgot about a couple of those, but those are those are equally as amazing. Like I I would probably I think I would probably put cycle above some of the other ones. It's just been so long I kind of forgot about it. They have the the Monday Tuesday I mean they have a, the the weekday series where everything is from the day of the week um but that is another one that is really worth trying to get your hands on. I mean there's a million of them out there. Weldworks I know is another one. a lot of people oh I'm trying to think of some of the ones that uh some of the ones that we've we've seen before side project was another one um untitled arts does a really good job the problem they're just hard to get souls too right yeah they're just the problem with untitled arts is that they're really difficult to get your hands on um because they're they only do small batch like collaborations um firestone they're kind of an old school been around the block for a long time oh yeah firestone walker yep but i haven't had a ton of those so i can't really speak to those but we're also forgetting one of the titans of uh, barrel aging, and I feel like an idiot for even forgetting it. But oh, we're
0: Are you referring to? You're referring to GI.
1: Yeah, which I know a lot of people were concerned when they got, you know, bought out and it, it fell underneath the, you know, the big umbrellas of the the macro brewing. Um, still phenomenal. It's still some of the best barrel aged stouts you can get your hand on. The Only reason I wouldn't put them up there with. The, the top three one you can only get them once a month, and not all of their variations are hits. I've had several of them, yeah. that i'm I'm not a, the biggest fan of. um I actually haven't tried any of the ones from this year yet, but like when they did the Cola one, they did some like orange one they they've missed on on quite a few of them, but their're staples the you know the barley one when they used to release the barley one was phenomenal. The coffee stout every year this year they kind of kept it more in check with some more like biscotti style
0: they had a fig maybe which one which is probably the most exotic yeah i wondered but, i wondered about the biscotti one because i love biscotti cookies right but i was like nah, i can't do it in a beer and i definitely wasn't getting the fig one because who loves fig nude i do i, I fucking got fig
1: in my fridge right no the fuck you don't Tim? i, I mean in my cabinet <laughs> i sure do i'll go get you one.
0: Oh uh, no oh no hey maybe <laughs> Hey, you know maybe the Fig Newton one is just what you need to kick whatever it is that you got. You're right. I
1: mean, we can we can find out right now if you want. (laughs) (laughs) We got uh, just the ones that have close by. So even the the is it this one? Yeah. So it's called Sir Isaac Newton Stout, and it's still somewhat mild. It's figs, graham cracker, um, and then bourbon aged. This one is there. This is just a
0: coffee bourbon um i did get the coffee style this year and then the regular
1: yeah this is just the regular coffee the biscotti one is in the fridge i don't remember what that one we got the one aged in buffalo trace that's what this guy is mm-hmm. seven year the old fits and then the 30 year that's up there so they kept it pretty straightforward they didn't get too exotic with any of these which I can actually appreciate uh and now that I got this fig one in my hand I am tempted to open it <laughs> hey <laughs> But, well,
0: if, I mean, if you want, we can go start talking about games and whatever happens, happens But that's Yeah,
1: cool. all right. I'll set this aside and let it stare me down, and we'll figure out what's going on. But Well,
0: Tim, right. you know, to, to bury the lead, you know, you got two out of three this week, and I got zero out of three this week. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I, I definitely believed that there was going to be a lot of good things. And to be frank, these picks look like they would have hit until mostly the fourth quarter of each one of these games. But I don't necessarily feel terrible about it. Uh, All-time here at 18, all-time at 16, right? I'm still close. Uh, We still got a few more weeks of this. I'm not out of the running yet. I I like it's much tighter of a race this year, but uh, I'll start with (laughs) Jags-Lions. After the Jags put together that game against the Ravens, I thought, okay, this would be great. And what I should have realized was that the Lions were like, we are done being under-talked about. And the Lions just opened an absolute can of whoop-ass, dropped a 40-burger on the Jags, and yeah, you know. The Jags were able to put up points, but it didn't really matter. Like, the game was so out of hand at that point. Um, DeAndre Swift looked really good. The defense was good. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was just all over the place. Like, this is what the Lions, at their best, can be. This Hmm. is, right? They could be an uber-competitive team. It's sustaining that competitiveness over three, four, five, six, seven games, or in a seven-game stretch, winning three, losing three one-score games, coming back, winning two or three more. That's the thing I think that's going to separate this team in the future. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in the Green Bay system for that much longer, right? He's got a couple more years. And what Dan Campbell and that outfit in Detroit should be focused on is building a winning culture now, right, to win games by one score, to win a majority of games, to go 500, to get to the playoffs, to challenge for division crowns, because at some point Vikings are going to be without a quarterback. The Packers are going to be without a quarterback. And do we really think that the Bears outside of them like you know what I mean like we we've not seen what the what the what the load is going to be on on Justin Fields going for the future, right? So yeah, you want to be in that two horse race for the division crown if you know the other two teams have quarterback issues. So everything the Lions are doing right now is very very good. And I think that some fans are just seeing it like, what the hell? They win a game, they lose a few. like it's for the future. So all all things aside, I'm I'm happy to get this pick wrong. Really. Mm. Really happy to get this pick wrong because I think it means something good for the Lions. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around Jared Goff as as the guy that they're gonna they're gonna stick with. I mean Jamal Williams, John Jay Swift, Justin Jackson, he's got a couple guys in there that, that you think could help. This team kind of moved forward. D.J. Clark kind of comes and goes. He fades in. I mean, he had 98 yards in this game. But Amon Ross St. Brown was a superstar in this one. Uh, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he's emerging as one of the, the better targets for golf. You just wonder how long he's able to kind of keep this up because he seems very up and down, very wishy-washy. So there's something, something... Something there. I don't know if Goff is is the guy that's going to be able to s- sustain them for for a long time, and unless this is just a case of not being able to get in sync with his team and it's finally clicking. But it was against the Jags, so I'm not going to get you know too excited. But he looked he looked phenomenal in this this game. He
0: missed ten attempts out of forty one throws, so you can't gotta give him some can't credit. Hate it. Yeah, you can't hate it. What happened with the Bill's Patriots though on Thursday night football man
1: i I'm, I'm having a hard time like figuring out where the deficiency on this Patriots team is and i I mean it's in my opinion, it's still the offensive line like I, unless they make some some changes and shore up that line, they're going to be in trouble against good teams because Mac Jones just doesn't have some time to throw when when he has time to throw he he's you know taking care of the ball, you know, he's not turning it over a ton. He's making big accurate throws. But the dude's like averaging like two point six seconds before he has to throw the ball, game in and game out. And that's that's very difficult, right? For someone who is, you know, in their second year. I know he's a professional. I know all that that nonsense, but he doesn't have anybody great to throw the ball to. Um uh, there's nobody on that team that had over uh, – fi- uh, sorry, we had one player with 51 yards. It's Marcus Jones. But everybody else, 31, 22, 17, 16, 15, 13. He's distributing the ball well enough, but he doesn't have that like go-to. Jacoby Myers was someone we thought would help carry them throughout the team, but they've they've taken on a, a, a run-heavy look behind uh, Stevenson, and it's just – there's something on this team that's not quite gelling their offensive line is terrible play calling is terrible and i'm I'm concerned this is quickly becoming Mac Jones is a scapegoat right he you, you don't just lose it all after last season and come into this season and and suddenly your ability' gone there's there's chemistry on this team or there's the makeup on this team that is just trash there's there's no other way there's no other way around it I don't think Patricia should be calling these the offensive plays uh I I, I they need to go out and attempt to get him some kind of weapon, and they have to shore up this offensive line. And this is what we're going to be looking at because this wasn't a stellar looking game by the Bills. They they obviously won um, by uh, you know two touchdowns, but um, it wasn't it it wasn't like the the traditional blowout you feel when the Bills come in and, and they smoke a team. In fact, for the first uh, for the first half, it was pretty competitive, right? They had they held them to 17 points. We scored a touchdown. They, they held yeah, and they still held them in the second half. The defense figured it out. They held them to seven points in the entire second half of the game. The offense just could not string anything together. You just some of the uh some of the time of possession for for some of their drives was like a minute. Like you blinked and it was fourth down. It was just not a, it just wasn't a very good feeling game and there's there's a lot they got to try and figure out uh i know i've I've, i saw the rumors that come out with is brady going to be taking over is he coming back next year that's how he's got to finish i mean as a patriots fan would that be interesting to see sure but i don't want to see mac jones career suffer as a result of that and i know that's going to shoot your confidence right in the dick if you're getting benched for a 40 plus year old player who's coming back He's the to the the greatest team. quarterback
0: of all time though right so like sure I think you but you understand it if it were to happen
1: sure but this is this is supposed to be like your team now you're you're the future uh and it's just not panning out that way so i just watched the i just watched the the bucks cough the ball up again there and struggle struggle city tonight struggle city tonight meow, so meow.
0: it's all good <laughs> uh, let, let me ask you a completely non-biased question yeah Mac Jones aside Brady's on an expiring deal yeah he offers to come back play one last season retire as a patriot mm-hmm. are you not you're not picking up the phone you're not talking to, to Don Yee and you're not saying let's do it one season 12 million dollars I mean dollars in incentive
1: I mean how can you say no but I feel like you're leveraging your future for nostalgia right like do I think he's yeah. still capable of playing extremely well Yeah, but if you look at the makeup of that team, it's not a lot different than what the makeup down in Tampa is, right? They also have Mm -hmm. a dodgy uh, offensive line. I mean, Brady just threw a pick right before the half. This turnover is not his fault. I mean, but he's under pressure, had to come forward, throw it to a guy, you know, on a five-yard run on like 3-and-20. And the guy ended up fumbling the ball. So, like, the makeup of that team isn't that much different than the makeup of our team. Like, there's no superstars in that team he's throwing to. You could make an argument that Evans is there and and they have some guys that they can make plays to. But nobody is a standout. A lot of those guys were, you know, on the other side of the peak of their career. Like, Fournette, sure, have have they been able to make that work in some capacity? Yeah. But it's not... They're they're not superstars. The Patriots don't have any superstars. So if Brady's coming, they got to bring someone in to shore up the offensive line and someone for him to throw to. Whether it's a my, I mean, he can make Myers work. He did when they were here. But he needs an additional weapon. There's no big tight end. There's no you know squirrely little wide receiver that finds themselves open through the middle. So I don't. I, it it's almost like you're you're changing Mac and, and Brady. And you're going to end up with maybe slightly better results with Brady, but similar end results when it comes to the makeup of the team. I just don't know if this team is built for winning. Um, would I take him? I mean, sure. I'd love to see him come in and yeah, have I mean, some success.
0: You, you would. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> d- don't forget he's on. They don't have. They don't have. Uh, um, they still don't have Josh McDaniels on that team. So it's not like it's going to be. A one to one, you still have the shitty play calling of Matt Patricia. The difference is you have Brady, who knows that system and knows the players who can make that game up from the line, but you still have a shitty play caller in there who's driving some of this.
0: I just have a feeling that, that, you know, that Patricia's like, oh, I'm a defensive guy. I know what offensive plays can beat defensive schemes. And it's like, yeah, bro, You, you have offensive schemes that can beat the Patriots not other not every team prepares like them you know what I mean so yeah it's a waste of your time it's a waste of my time as Richard Schumer would say all right Dolphins 49ers I said it's a 35-32 kind of game for the Dolphins it was not to be you have the number one scoring defense and they put up 33 points even after Jimmy Garoppolo broke his foot hate to see it really you know we talk a lot of shit about players right but uh you you, you feel bad for Jimmy you really do you know I don't think there's any other team. Just like my buddy Greg said that you know kicks kicks a guy to the curb, brings him back in, kicks him to the curb, brings him back in, breaks his ankle. You know now Blake Purdy, who was the 256th overall pick last year's draft, is out there slinging it 37 times. Com- you know completed 25 of them, got two touchdowns, one pick, QBR 57. And then on the other side, Tua Tunga-Falua, 33 attempts, 18 completions, 295 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. QBR, 19.3. Brutal. Nothing 19, was going. 19. Was not going 119. 19. Correct. 19. As in one less than 20. 19. Yep. Um, running game could not get going for Miami whatsoever. And I have a feeling that like what I said last week, I was like, oh, don't you think McDaniels has always plays that he's been saving? Clearly those weren't the ones. Or maybe they were <laughs> They're rogue plays that like Shanahan let you take because um, when you're running game. Collects 33 yards total. You're not going to win a game. You're just not. Tyreek Hill, nine receptions, buck 50 in yards, long of 45 in the touchdown. Tyler Sherfield one reception, one target, one touchdown, 75 yards. You, you're, just, you're hoping for like broken plays there at that point, right? And that helps you kind of keep a game close. But in the third, when the other team gives you field goals and you get nothing, it's not good. It, you, you begin to dig yourself too much of a hole that you can't get out of, and then you score like Dolphins did in the fourth. It's useless at that point. The game's already in hand. So, I, I mean, the Niners are 8-4, and four, but their first string and their second string quarterback are now on the outs. Right? They have Josh Johnson. They signed up the practice squad. He's been to 13 different NFL teams and XFL teams. So, who, whom are they going to go with going forward? Not really sure about that. As a Seahawks fan, if I'm just looking at this holistically, okay, not being a homer, I'm thinking, okay, there is a path to the, to the division crown because the quarterback situation, we know what the ceiling should be. The problem with that is, in saying that out loud, they have the number one scoring defense, and they're healthy. So it's not like you're just going to walk into that game and just score points because the Dolphins are able to score points in bunches, and they scored 17. Yep. So you would think that. Because they, the, the Niners have kept most teams out of the end zone in the second half for a few games now, and they've held most teams to 16 to 20 points. So the, the logic there is you have to score 18 to 24 points to win a game against the Niners. And if Seattle can do that, then they can make a run for the division crown. I feel bad for Niners fans. Can you believe I'm saying this? But, like, they, they got one here. They did what they needed to do. They gritted out this win all of the moves that Shanahan and Lynch put together look like they make sense now, not just with the defense, but with the running game too, because like we know McCaffrey can do some wildcat touchdowns. So like maybe that takes pressure off the quarterback. There's going to be some stuff here. There's just too many playmakers in that team for them to sit down. So I, I will not be picking against the 49ers in too many games. I'll just say that. You <laughs> want Jimmy Jean is broken foot? Yeah, I, I just think there's there's two – I'm going to pick against them this week, right, because I don't think Lightning can strike twice, but uh, I don't think that, you know, going forward – I mean, they, they already have eight wins, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to get a couple more. They're probably going to make the playoffs with Mr. Irrelevant, right? That's what they call him. Pick 256 overall, like, he's going to be relevant because I think you get got a guy that's been on 13 different NFL teams, has not been able to stick. You're not going with him, so we'll see. Hmm. Kansas City, Cincy, you said – Cincinnati dependent on hashtag fucking Jamar down there somewhere. <laughs> and fucking Jamar was down there somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, these two teams have played each other three times yeah. in this calendar year. Yeah. And Kansas City has lost all three times. Hmm. Look, I mean, I respect you for putting the stones online and saying, yeah, Cincy depended on Jamar. Like, in retrospect, and looking back at this now, I'm like, yeah, that was the obvious pick, but like. Can you just, like, in your recap for me, explain to me why why Jamar, for you, is the person that unlocks it and not Joey B. I, I mean,
1: I think it's the, the combo of the two. I think Joe Burrow keeps you in. I mean, and, and this is one of those games where Jamar Chase wasn't even his primary target for a lot of these stuff. A, a, a lot of the game it ended up being Tyler Boyd for some of the biggest plays and then Jamar Chase kind of sprinkled in as they needed some of the some of the big plays to help break uh, or extend some of the drives but like T Higgins is another one who contributed here a lot of this had to do with Burroughs being able to stand in and uh look pressure in the face and like make moves and, and help extend some plays he uh, he didn't uh he didn't have to rush a lot i mean sorry he he had to, he was constantly in the move rushed 11 times, only had 46 yards, but some of them were, like, huge in terms of keeping drives going, keeping plays alive, and things like that. Uh, the reason Jamar Chase matters is because you have to account for him, right? Like, that's like everybody everybody says, just fucking throw it to him whenever he's downfield, and you have to account for him. You do. And oftentimes, you need to cover him, plus bring a safety over for help so he doesn't burn you downfield, and it kind of opens up the field for the other receivers on this team. Like, other than Jamar Chase's 97, Tyler Boyd only hit 60 yards. He finished, Burrow finished the day with 286 yards, but he didn't turn the ball over once. So he's, you know, that everybody was talking about on Sunday, Joe Cool, Joe Cool, because uh, that's his nickname. But the reality is that he actually is calm and collected under pressure and doesn't get frazzled. Like, this isn't like a stellar offensive line. It's good enough to give him time to to get in, see the situation, and make really smart decisions. Jamar Chase is just the piece of the puzzle that helps open that up. Now, um, this is another one of those that, you know, they just kept the pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and, and this is what I've said over and over and over. I've beaten this, this horse to the ground. Yeah. You're able to keep uh, uh, keep Patrick Mahomes – you know, in between the hashes and prevent him from running around the outside and burning you with some of these either runs or these sort of scrambles with these crazy throws, you're going to have a pretty good chance. And that's what they did. I mean, he was able to step up and then make some throws or step up and make some runs to help kind of keep this one interesting. But those weren't all comfortable runs either. In fact, they had a huge third down uh, in which he thought he was going to break open for another first down and ended up having a guy uh rush the outside get kind of pushed back caused pat to have to step forward broke free and then jump forward ended up tripping mahomes uh forward and they ended up having to to punt the ball away but that was another one of those circumstances you're like here you go You give him this wide open center he's gonna run right up the middle he's gonna extend this uh he's gonna extend this drive and they got to him it was just he was under pressure a lot um he got sacked twice, lost a total of twelve yards in the two sacks, and one of those was the big third down, uh third down. But I think they're they're a great team, and they're still someone you're gonna take into consideration week in and week out. But like a lot of these wins they've had and a lot of these games aren't the most comfortable games they have they've they've been able to play. They only won by three points in this game. So this is another one yeah. that could have potentially come down and we could have had one of those game winning drives. But the the Bengals made some really smart decisions with uh like some of their late game drives to help take a lot of time off the clock and keep the ball out of out of the um, hands of Mahomes. But I I think the I think the Bengals and the makeup of that team, if everyone is playing uh, well, both offensively and defensively, they could go toe to toe with pretty much any team that's out there, and it
0: seems like they're getting better and better as the season goes on. I can't blame you for for choosing that team. You know what I mean? It yeah. it, it was very smart. You get you gotta look at the numbers there. Another pairing of this, also, uh, in the AFC, my third game: Chargers Raiders. I don't. I, I will just say. The way Mahomes can sling the football, the way Herbert can sling the football, there's a lot of similarities there, Mm -hmm. right? The way the off script passes, but the way that they have bad games is vastly different. If Mahomes has a bad game, his QBR is like 40 or 50. When Justin Herbert has a bad game like this game, he has a QBR of 15. 15, which is four points less than Tua's, right? Which was 19, which is crazy to think about. 47 times he chucked it, connected on 28 of them, 335 yards. One touchdown, no picks. The longest the receiver got open for the Chargers. 35 yards, Keenan Allen. Spread the ball around a lot. That's great. That's fantastic. But your defense gave up 144 yards to Josh Jacobs and 177 yards to Devontae Adams. It's very difficult for you to win games if your quarterback and your offense is not getting it going. Now the the Chargers had seventy total yards of rushing split between Austin Eckler and 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 Josh McKelly, but like you 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 can't that's that's not like a a consolation prize. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh great, you guys got 30 yards on oh, 10 attempts. You're <laughs> like there's three yards of carry, like you know what I mean? Like it's not good. Like, you know what you're right, you're not writing home about that. Like, once again, the tape is out there on Josh Jacobs and just the same thing happened to you. You just let him run a mock. You know what Devonte Adams is going to do. You know that you probably should not leave him, not, not on double cover. Like, just listen to some of the other, like, receiving totals for folks on the Raiders. Matt Collins, nine targets, five receptions, 35 yards. Fabian Moreau, three targets, one reception th- for 32 yards. Josh Jacobs, two targets, two receptions, six yards. Amir Abdullah, one target, zero catches. Like, the offense is Adams and the offense is Jacobs. So if I was a defense, if I'm looking at it, I'm going, hmm, where's the play going? Is the guy in the backfield or the guy out wide? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem to be that difficult yet. The Chargers found themselves no timeouts, 20 seconds with the ball to go 90 some odd yards, and we're all like talking about it, like, oh, maybe this will happen. No, it won't. No, it won't. We like there's just a there's just a, a tier of quarterbacks that can make those things happen, and. You need a timeout. You need someone to get out of bounds. You need about 40 seconds, really, because of all these things happening with someone going down the field, a player laying on them, not letting them get up. You got to give the ball to the ref. All that stuff happens. The Charters could have won this game. But the Charters lost this game when they didn't score a single point in the third quarter. And they allowed the Raiders to put up 14 on them. Because this is what Vegas does. Vegas will punch you in the mouth early, punch you in the mouth again, and then they'll just jab the rest of the match. They'll yep. just keep you just far enough away. They won't really put any haymakers down because they don't need to. I mean, that, to...
1: I, I, I would, I would say this is one of those games where <clears throat> they were, they were kind of punching him in the mouth because he. I mean, it's it's been a tough stretch. It's been a, a really brutal season so far for for Justin Herbert. But he was pressured like forty four percent of the time in this this Just game. Constantly. Over the last, yeah, over the last three weeks, he's been he's averaged forty one percent. He's been sacked fourteen times in total. So we keep talking about bad offensive line. This was a terrible offensive performance and no nothing against Josh uh or Justin Herbert, but he isn't um uh, in my opinion, he's not the first guy I take into consideration when I when I think of scrambling quarterbacks or quarterbacks who are capable of making big plays under duress. And this is one of those games where that's just constantly what this was. He had sixteen attempts in total, 90 yards. It's not going to get it done. The Raiders aren't like the the most amazing defense that's out there, but they looked like it in this particular game, and it's just following the the trend of probably in the in the, the top five teams with awful offensive lines. It probably goes, yeah. Uh, it, I I would say it really least, matters. Yeah, I would say it's it's probably New England followed by Tampa followed by and I mean there are, there are other teams that are out there, but when we're talking about teams, we expect to be good teams that have terrible offensive lines, these are probably the three that come to mind. It's New England, it's Tampa, and it's the Chargers. It's just week in and week out. All three of those teams are constantly failing their quarterbacks and giving them time to make plays.
0: This weekend was a prime example of how bad the Chargers actually are. And I, I do feel for him because the defense was finally coming together and then looks like it's not really held together. It looks like it's kind of held by like putty <laughs> yeah, rather than glue at the moment, but you know, that, that quick segue, offensive tackles almost always go in like the top 10 or the top 15, but it's an offensive tackle, uh, offensive guard, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, this, you know, Tim is the best left tackle come out of this draft in five years. Cool. <clears throat> that means one team's going to get a really, really good left tackle. Everyone else, fuck it. You missed out. You're like, yeah. like, there's just not, the, the league can fix this by paying offensive tackles more. Because what happens, and I think what we've seen now with the defensive tackles and the defensive side of the ball with the ends and the tackles and even the linebackers, if you show versatility and you can get paid, that's, that's where the pipeline goes. People no longer want to be a tight end. They say, I want to be a D-end. I want to go make that money. I want to make J.J. Watt money one day. That changes from Pop Warner to high school to all the way into developmental leagues and the NCAA. And that's the kind of quality you get. That's why you get D-ends. Like Chase Young, they go in the top five every single year. Because that's where the money is right now. You you infuse, and I'm not just saying pay pay the, the tackle position or the guard position because like that's not necessarily gonna make the whole thing better, right? You can't throw yep. money at a problem. But there are tackles out there. Um look at the guy from the Colts. Why am I spacing on him at the moment? Uh the Colts had a particularly bad game this week, but he's not let up a, a single a single sack, I think, or, uh, or a hurry. Like he's just, he's just crazy good, but he's the only guy on that line. That's good. And the rest of the line suffers. So accordingly Matt Ryan's play suffers. It's just sort of like folks, you need one generational talent on the D line to wreck an offensive line, which means if I'm thinking like an NFL GM, that I need at least seven offensive linemen and I should be hoarding them like a war chest, trying to make sure I keep my quarterback upright. And for Justin Herbert this year, like, punctured lungs was a possibility. Yeah. That needs to be the first the first need that they address in the draft next year. You have playmakers. You have the tight end. You have the running back figured out. You've got wide receivers. Go get an offensive tackle. Come on. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Um, The last game
1: of the week that we're going to talk about is the – Bears, uh, Packers. Now, I said all season I wasn't going to be betting uh, on the Packers. I wasn't going to be – I mean, I had no faith in Rodgers. I still don't have a lot of faith in Rodgers. I just have – you know, I say this a lot. I didn't have a lot of faith in one team. I just had less faith in the other team, and I think that's what this one is. The the Packers are starting to kind of piece together um, some decent games and some good wins. Uh but a lot of that has to do with uh Christian Watson who is quickly becoming a major I wish I had
0: picked him up on the waiver wire. I really Yeah, did. he's I he's starting was be a fluke.
1: He's starting to look like a superstar in the making for this team. Uh I mean as you work your way down the list, uh I mean he's becoming a primary uh target out of the backfield for uh for Rodgers he had i mean and it's because of the the quality he had three receptions 48 yards and a touchdown he had one run for 46 yards which is their longest of the season um he is by far one of the fastest uh Packers offensive ball carriers of the season i mean as you just work your way down he is really the reason that this team is doing so well he's flirting with some some record book numbers over the last four games eight touchdowns on only 17 touches and a total of 362 yards with an average of 21.3 yards per carry or per touch so those numbers are incredible especially in contrast to the first six games he had one touchdown on 13 touches a total of 107 yards with an average of 8.2 yards per touch so Something clearly has has changed and lit a fire underneath him, and he's just playing his ass off right now. I think this is the the most by our, uh, a wide receiver in a four game stretch since like Randy Moss back in like 1998. And if that's the type of comparisons you're drawing, uh, that's that's huge. So not only are you a threat receiving wise, but you're also threat rushing wise. That's a pretty deadly combo, and I think all of this time we've been talking about Aaron Rodgers not having weapons in order to to get some of these wins he's emerging as their primary dual threat weapon and i think that's going to open up more of these opportunities for the packers to to win if they can rely on that right if rodgers is having an off game kind of lean to him towards the running game and there's still a possibility that they're going to he's going to break out for a couple um good receptions i mean if he's averaging 21 yards that's it's like a get out of jail free type game changing um, uh, receiver you have out there. If five catches in a game and each one of those averages for twenty yards, that's that's a pretty big. I mean, some of that speaks to Aaron Rodgers and his accuracy and his ability to to make some of those plays. But um, he's he's definitely helping Rodgers look good in some situations. Rodgers is still a bit of a mess. Uh, he was eighteen to thirty one, one hundred and eighty two yards. Still not out there, being the Aaron Rodgers that we thought. I know he's injured with the thumb. I know they thought he had some some punctured lungs, which he doesn't have, but he's clearly playing through some shit. So you got to give him a little bit of a uh, – you got to cut him a little bit of slack maybe, but it seems to be sort of the trend all season. Justin Fields on the other side of the ball, kind of in the same boat. Uh, he hasn't really looked all that stellar this season. He finished 20, 25, 250 yards, two interceptions again. He's just not able to consistently piece it together. Some of it's the makeup of this team, but like David Montgomery trying to do his best to help this team stay into some games, and it's just not just not cutting the mustard. There's not enough going on offensively to help make up for some of Justin Fields' shortcomings. I know it's his first season, cut him a little slack, but that that team is in uh is in some some shambles at the moment.
0: That fifty yard touchdown. Run. You know what I mean? Like he just, he just has it. He has the ability. If you leave the space open, I I, la, I don't know, Cam Newton from a couple of years ago, like you need to be using that play sparingly. You yeah. should be putting it on, on tape as many times as you do. Well, I think I think the I think it's almost the
1: opposite because in the first quarter, he had four runs, seventy one yards, and a touchdown. He only had two attempts the rest of the game. So this was almost the opposite of that. I don't think they were relying on that. Whether they weren't getting the looks that they wanted for those sort of plays or or design quarterback runs, uh, but it, you had some success with it right off the bat. You know, maybe maybe tone it down for the second quarter, but come back to it later in the game if that's if that was proving to be successful for you. But to just abandon it like all uh, for the remainder of that game it just feels. Feels weird to me. There's something there that that's off, uh, or or why that was his, maybe maybe there was an undisclosed injury, maybe there was something preventing him from making those runs. But that I mean, was that was a primary weapon that you then just gave up on, which just seems yeah. weird.
0: I I agree. All right, uh, going into next week's games, first yeah. game I'm going to pick Lions Vikings. The Vikings got taken. They, they won twenty seven twenty, 20 and the Jets were driving to end that game. So I'm not convinced that this isn't a game, which could be a trap game, seeing that the Jags gave up 40-some-odd points, and I have a belief that the Lions are pissed. That they know they can win games like this, and I believe this game is going to be much, much closer than the Vikings would like it to be. That being said, the Vikings rocketed out of the gate. Teams have begun to figure them out just a little bit, and games have been a lot closer. You want to lose games earlier in the season. You don't want to learn you don't want to lose these types of games late in the season. And I think there's some lessons to be learned here that the Lions can go ahead and put in. And I think the Lions will take this game.
1: Interesting. Okay. Um I'm going to keep on my trend of of not going the easy route and trying to pick some of these difficult games. What's easy which... about the
0: Lions beating the Vikings?
1: God damn, dude. You're just like no, 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 no. I'm saying, but like, if you look at last week and look at this week, I'm not picking like the easy ones. I'm gonna go Jets Bills in this game
0: too because oh, you're gonna go, you're gonna go Jets, huh?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know. They came out and they had a competitive game against. I mean, it depends on where your stance is on the Vikings team as a whole. Do we think that they're a phenomenal team, or do we think that they're suspect and having some some. Artificial success But I mean they're a 10-2 team And the Jets came out and played uh, Well enough to almost pull this game out uh, They have Mike White Who Not the best game Sample size But they still almost found a way to come out And, and pull the game out um, Defensively I think they are uh, Helping keep This team who Offensively seems to be I'm going to say shambles a lot because I, I've seen that TikTok too many times now. Where, and if you haven't seen it yet, you guys look at the guy with the with the mullet and the Charizard belt. and I, I can't quote it because while, while we do throw out some profanities, we are attempting to be a mildly family-friendly program. Uh, but shambles is <laughs> just what he says over and over. But um, points allowed per game. Buffalo's fourth in the league to New York's uh to the the Jets sixth in the league. So these teams match up pretty well. Buffalo has a better passing game, but as of late things seem to be a little off in terms of Josh Allen. We talked about his last game where he wasn't he wasn't out here making superstar throws. He's he seems to be just a little out of sync as of late. So they've they've had to deal with some Late game heroics, some running to help keep some of these drives alive, but I, I'm not, I'm not overly comfortable picking the Bills in most situations. But New York's, uh, the Jets' passing defense is seventh in the league. So if if their biggest strength is their passing yards per game, then that matchup is going to kind of, you know, push some of that to the limit a little bit uh Push it I actually to the limit I actually am i think gonna go jets in this game. I think it's uh Damn, bro, yeah, Back to the I, point appreciate it. you said that last week, and here we are uh <laughs> I think the jets are just are are i mean, I don't have a lot of confidence yet in in Mike White, but you saw what a struggling pats offense could do when they were hitting their plays and they were giving. Uh, their quarterback time to actually make some plays. And I think the Jets' offensive line is much better than New England's offensive line. So uh, I think this will be an opportunity for White to to get back to where he was, you know, uh, the game before last, when he when he first came in and took the ball. So uh, this is kind of piggybacking off of what I think of, you know, Josh Allen in this weird funk that he's in, and the Jets being able to capitalize on that. Would be
0: absolutely insane if this happens. But, uh, okay. Okay. Uh... Eagles, Giants as my second pick. Gonna go Eagles here. Uh, they thumped the Titans pretty decisively, and the Giants, for whatever reason, have all the pieces, but they cannot get out of their own way. Fumbles being lost left and right. Uh, picks that just don't need to be happening. Like Daniel Jones is throwing picks at the same rate that Russell Carrington Wilson is. Couple of game. Just he's good for him. That is not that is not what you want. And the way that Philly needs to run away with this division to win the crown, I think. I think they pull it here. So I'm going to go Eagles here against the Giants. I do think it's going to be close, but uh, I got to stick with the Eagles here. All right, I got to I got to call an audible
1: because you just uh, you just picked the team out of the game I was going to go with. So I'm going to go uh, Bengals Browns. Bengals,
0: yeah. Uh, okay, you talk about talking about easy games. Come on now, um, I
1: mean. you mean you think
0: Deshaun Watson, the Browns are are capable of beating the Bengals? who just beat the Chiefs. You want to talk about easy games, Tim? Come on. Well, Come you're on, talking
1: man. you're talking about a guy who has seemingly figured out you know the the Chiefs and is like three and zero against Mahomes. So they have a history of of that, regardless of how good or bad that team is. It's just one of those like thorns in the side of of the Chiefs, but. They found a way to come out and win without him throwing a single offensive touchdown. So his first game back, I still fucking hate the guy. Um, yeah, but <coughs> you're you're doing it. No, 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 no. I think that this is going to be a closer game than what we expect this to be. I think they're ge- we're going to get a little surprised by because uh, nobody knows what what Watson looks like now. Nobody knows what he's capable of doing from the run perspective. Nobody knows what he's capable of doing. Cuz he
0: hasn't played a game in 2 years.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, I think there's a lot of question marks on this. I could see this sneaky looking like an upset if he comes out and does like almost, I almost I I keep I'm almost like talking myself into picking the Bengals here. <laughs> I mean, not the Bengals, but uh, the Browns. Um,
0: Do I pick them? I'll take the points. I'll take the points. uh, That's exactly what's going to happen. Hashtag let joy roar. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't have hashtag let roar. fucking Jamar down there somewhere, and then go against him the next week. You just can't do that. No,
1: I think I think give the points up. No, I think I think you're. I here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go Bengals, but everything I just talked about is gonna is gonna come out and it's gonna be like a kick myself in the nuts game because I'm gonna say, look, I fucking knew I should have I should have gone with it. Something just feels off about this game. I feel like Deshaun's gonna come out. He's gonna play with a chip on his shoulder for better or worse. Uh the Bengals are gonna ride in with his high sense of confidence. I know I know Burroughs doesn't let this stuff go to his head, but I think I mean that's not speaking to the rest of the team. And I think it's gonna be like a punch in the mouth moment. And like this might be it could go either way. This might be one of those games where the team looks and says, Well, maybe we should stick with Brissett because he just because he was, you know, helping keep this team afloat. But what I'm what I'm doing is I'm
0: putting in the show notes that you're gonna get that one wrong. I'm calling that right now. I'm calling a shot on Monday, December fifth at ten thirty two PM that there is no way the Browns are gonna win this game. No way. Well I just no pick the Bengals. So I'm picking the Bengals. No. but I, I, I all, have a feeling the Bengals are things you wear
1: on your wrist. Bangles Bang, or... Bengals. Bengals. <laughs> my wife makes fun of me for say like I say miracle instead of miracle. Miracle. Miracle whip. And then when there's a couple, <laughs> there's a couple other words. She she just makes fun of me all the time for I have this like mishmash of words that get jumbled, and I, I always blame just oh, moving around a lot. This is so, this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I I blame it on moving around a lot, in my mouth not being able to figure out all the accents that are floating around in there. <laughs> <laughs> The Boston could one be, that's like sneaking in there, the New England one that's sneaking in there.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's uh, it's definitely regional, you know. When yeah. I'm south of the Mason Dixon line, I say a lot more y'all. When I'm north of the Mason Dixon, I like to speak proper and try to <laughs> throw some accent there wherever I can. So yeah, uh, third game here, Bucks forty ers The Bucks are getting crushed by the Saints right now, uh, yeah. but that's okay because they usually get crushed
1: by the Saints. So this is this is nothing new. And prime um, time, Tom Brady is like zero and a
0: hundred, yeah, something like that. But they don't have just a slate of three or four bad games in a row. The Niners, as we pointed out, number one defense, <laughs> but they're about to have the thirty second or the the thirty first or the thirtieth or the twenty seventh rated offense this is about to happen. Uh, and I think Tom Brady really, really wants to. Make a difference. I mean, every other team in the NFC South right now has just fallen apart. So they know that they can win the division by going just barely above 500. That means these types of games are must-wins. So I'm going to go with the Bucks against the 49ers next week. It feels weird to say it. Um, but I just think that like the 49ers number one rated pass defense can't can't hold it forever. Because yeah, this is what I told my my buddy Greg today. I said, because uh, he's, a, he's a big Niners fan. I said, Bro, you have the number one defense, but the number like 32 quarterback. So basically you're the Broncos. <laughs> so, <laughs> unless you plan on winning games, you know, 10-9, you know, the, the shit is not gonna happen, right? Like you're gonna lose some games at some point. So I, I think this I think this does happen. I think the Bucks do pull it out next week and uh it'll be ugly. But so is this Monday night game right now. Jeez.
1: Yeah. So it's field goal after field goal after field goal after field goal. Andy Dalton is making some pretty impressive uh, throws on a lot of these drives, but they just can't finish off uh, the four and
0: eight team, one and four away versus a five and six team who's five hundred at home. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot
1: of. uh, I'm I'm kind of watching this, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. There's Brady's not looking comfortable. He's he's making some pretty bad decisions. He's had a couple batted away. Like at the line, he threw a pick earlier and then when they got momentum and looked like White just coughed it up. I don't I don't know what's going on with that team right now, but <laughs> shambles. <laughs> All right. Uh my last game of the week, uh, Rams, Raiders. Because uh, I feel like really? this really? Yeah, I feel like this is another one of those toss up games. The the Raiders just came off of a really good looking win. I feel like it was uh a little fraudulent though. If I do say so I I don't think they're capable of of sustain, sustaining that with two offensive players which is really what they're doing in terms of like week in and week out getting players involved they're 29th uh, in they're ninth in the league though in terms of points allowed and the Rams are um 29th in the league so that matchup doesn't really bode well um but the the Defenses are a little bit more aligned. Uh, the Rams' defense is 30th in the league against the, the pass and 14th against the rush, where uh, the Rams are 22nd in passing and 4th uh, in rushing. So defensively, the Rams uh, are a, a, a much better team. Offensively, though, it's it's a little bit more uh unbalanced, but in terms of points per game, uh points allowed, takeaway differentials, all that stuff, they tend to match up. So I think if the if the if the Rams can come out, play their game defensively, try to minimize either Jacobs, um uh like or uh or Adams. If they were to pick one of those two, I mean defensively it's their their ball game in terms of rush. So you take Jacobs out of the equation and then leave it on Adams to try and beat you. I think they give themselves a really good chance to walk away with this one. Um I I have no faith in Josh McDaniel still. I I think this I think I think his tenure here as a uh, head coach is also going to be short. But I think this is gonna be a defensive showcase for both teams. Uh, only because even though the Rams defense is subpar, uh so is Matthew Stafford this season. He's just not playing to his level.
0: But And he's on IR. Yeah. He's probably not coming back.
1: Yeah, so that's true. So I mean, this is gonna be one of those uh defensive showcases. Um but I'm 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 thinking the the Raiders are incapable of keeping up any level of momentum. So this is more be me betting against the Raiders than betting for the Chargers. But I'm thinking I mean uh the the Ramps. I think this one's gonna be a, a wee bit of an upset. This is probably a free point for you, but something feels it is. It is. I'm really, not I'm not I'm not right. feeling I'm not feeling the Raiders and I feel like this is a this is one of those as you call it trap games.
0: Trap games <laughs> let's all right. Let's let's end this episode of Sass Podcast. Let's talk about something. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, has left Jackson State University and gone to Colorado. there have been a lot of talk, a lot of speculation. And to be frank, I don't understand where all the hate is coming from. Right? College football is a turnstile. You're supposed to go to a place and supposed to move to a place when you get successful, and you're supposed to parlay that success and go into another place. So you get to a power five or an FBS or a, a big Pac12 school, you could probably try and get a job in the NFL that's That's the way the coaching tree and the coaching trajectory is supposed to go. So I do not understand why Sanders does three years at Jackson State, takes that as an HBCU, which hasn't had a ton of shine anyways, to get them to college game day to get them to be undefeated win their championship to go 35-6 and over three years or something like that, and then for him to go to Colorado, a team in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is a lot of division going on right now, a lot of reorganization. But for the most part, Colorado's not been great for a long time. And for him to go in there and say, I'm going to put my stamp on that program, we know that Colorado is a stepping stone for him to go possibly coach in the NFL someday. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I understand why people are mad that he left Jackson State because the thought is, look at what you're doing for HBCUs, keep it going. Totally get it, but he didn't bounce after a year. Hmm. He bounced after three years and he left you on a high note and he was authentically himself the entire fucking time. And he went to Colorado. And this is the only thing I had to say bad necessarily about that. The whole thing is that like the athletic director is like, yeah, we haven't figured out how we're going to pay him yet. I'm like what? Why are you saying that out loud? <laughs> or are we putting this coach's contract on layaway? Like, what are you talking about? And then that cringe and I mean, cringe worthy video. Them talking to the team the first time. I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm bringing my luggage, and it's Louie. But know what? I'm coming. And when anybody in the media asks what happened in this meeting, just told two words: I'm coming. No, I think Coach Prime, behind the scenes where there's no cameras there, I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's a leader of of young athletes, and I think he can mold anybody. He can motivate anyone. We know that because he has the stats to prove it. And this is an example where stats don't matter, right? They actually do for him because he's. He's, he's a player. He's he's walked the walk and talk the talk. But, like, I already know what's going to happen this year. We're going to see way more Colorado games than we've ever seen before in our lives. And the team is not going to be there. It's just not. Because a lot of folks are coming to the transfer portal. A lot of folks are going to lead the team. A lot of folks are going to say that they don't gel wise with his level of coaching. And it's just sort of like, why are we putting cameras on it? You know what I mean? I, I get know. it. They're giving him the same shine. They give Ryan Day that they gave. Uh, David Shaw that they give Jim Harbaugh, I get it. I absolutely get it, right? There has to be some performance before we start giving everyone the shine. And I don't need to see a team getting berated by their college coach talking about his luggage, and I'm coming with three cameras around. It doesn't feel authentic to me when they do that. So, like, Mm -hmm. all things, you know, aside, happy for Dion. I think he's going to be a fantastic coach in the Pac-12, 10, 6, 8, whatever's left with this big, you know, college football reorganization. But like, can we just stop the hate? You know what I mean? Like he, he didn't jump for a bigger program. He went to Colorado. He could have gone to Miami. He could have gone to a whole bunch of other places. He chose to go to Colorado. I think that says something about him and like how he wants to coach and how he wants to be perceived. And outside of the cringeworthy video of him talking to the team. I think it's a good move for him. Mm.
1: I um I agree. It's that's that's kind of a weird move, but I think it's just the high profile nature of the guy, so he's going to draw some sort of either criticism or or something along those lines. But uh one of the quick mention before we we depart, shout out to the Celtics and the Bruins for having a combined Still undefeated on November. Fire. Still on fire. both both of those teams are leading the leagues respectively, uh, but. Jason Tatum is clearly a top contender for MVP across the board. I mean, he's averaging thirty-one point six games this season. Uh, I think he had a like a, a season high of forty-nine points in one game. He is really stepping up as the leader of that team. He has for the last few years, but it's it's been him and Brown and 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 Marcus Smart being sort of the the front. The front man for that team, with with some rotating players around it, but man, he has really stepped up as a superstar in the league. We talked about this, you know, over the last couple of years, how I think the Celtics do well when they have these sort of homegrown developed players that they kind of ride on. That's exactly what we're seeing here with with this core team. They are playing their ass off right now, and it's the same core group that's been there for a while: Smart, Brown, uh, Tatum. These guys ha- are are gelling and they're playing at their peak, and this is just it, it's fun to watch for this team. They are they are playing like impressively well, and I think it's one of those that doesn't get. I mean, everyone everyone still talks about like how are the Lakers doing, and they're starting to the string games together. <laughs> Everyone's caught up in the drama of yeah. the, the Nets, but what's not being discussed all that much is how crazy this run for the Celtics has been so far this season. Or the or the Bruins, for that has, matter. It, but sticking to the NBA, the, the Celtics are just.
0: You know, I saw the I saw the craziest thing today, and and this, this has been my last point in this. Yeah, uh, the Kraken have like a ninety nine point four percent chance of like reaching the the playoffs, and they have like a thirteen point four percent chance of reaching the Stanley Cup. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Expansion team figuring it out, got a lot of good players from other teams. It makes sense. I was like, let me see about the Bruins. The Bruins have a six percent chance, and I was like, ah, hold on, hold the fucking phone. You mean what? to tell me? You mean to tell me that the Kraken are three times as likely to make the Stanley Cup final as the Boston Bruins? I don't know how I feel about that. No, nah, I, I mean, like, yeah, this is one of those shit posting like meme sites. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, who they're,
1: they're 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 twenty three. Uh, sorry, they're twenty and three. That is that is incredible. Like the next closest team is fifteen and five, and the Celtics are twenty and five this season. That is that is impressive I mean in hockey that is incredibly impressive but same thing with basketball, but yeah, I don't know about those uh I don't know about those vegas odds because uh that's the best record in all of hockey uh yeah. the devils are twenty and four so they're they're right behind they just have that one extra loss but yeah this is uh I think this is you know it's very early in the season anything can happen between now and in the end of the n h l season but if they're able to keep up even a, a small hint of this success, uh, I mean, the Bruins, when they, when they make the playoffs, always make a good run at it. So I will be following closely, but shout out to both of those teams, uh, carrying new England pride right now, because i are the Patriots right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something I'm just trying not to talk about it out loud too much because I just don't want what happened last season to happen again. You know what I mean? I, I don't want, you know, the postseason um, slump to occur. Yeah. Like, and I, I just, I, I feel no matter what was going to happen, the Celtics were going to lose to the Warriors last year. But I'm just happy that they made it that far. They finally punched the ceiling. And we need to make sure that they do the same thing this year. So I just, I don't want to talk about the Celtics going, you know, 20 game runs, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to make sure that when it comes down to it, when we absolutely need to play better postseason basketball because we know that there are going to be teams like the Bucs. They're going to, they'll come to play. They'll be fun.
1: Yeah. Trying to look now to see what the updated stats are based off of what you were just saying. Who did you say it was? New York? Oh, the Kraken. Oh, the Kraken. Seattle. Uh, so Seattle Kraken is 96.7% to make the, the playoffs. And now the, right now the Bruins are 99.2. And then as it progresses through winning, it's now flipped there. Are 6.5% chance of winning the cup to the Bruins. eight eight eight. uh, was it 8.8%. So definitely, uh, leaning more on the Bruins side now, thankfully.
0: So, oh, good, 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 <laughs> So Oh, was like, ha. But whatever. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. As always, we thank you all very much for listening, tuning in, liking, sharing, subscribing us, telling your friends about us, telling some beer storks about us. You know what I mean? Hmm. And all of our favorite sports teams just hearing all the the good juju we're putting out in the world win all those games. Hashtag GenoCountry, let's ride. (laughs) Let's go, Jones.
1: Let's go offensive line. Let's put some shit together. That's all I need. Oh uh, also Dude. if you haven't if you haven't watched Andor, go watch Andor. It's incredible. incredible. Mm, it's like good, that it's good, more good, sp- good product placement. It's more uh spy thriller than Star Wars fantasy. It's actually really good. Does a it happen FBI, uh, yeah, you okay. can spoil this for me. But does it happen before or after Rogue One? It's what yes. leads up to why Andor becomes uh a spy in the first place.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's spoiler, you don't know happens at the end of Rogue One. Although we never really see I'm die. Yeah. that's what happens. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, anyway, on, uh, I'm no. on
1: episode ten tonight, and everyone keeps talking about it being incredible. So I look forward to it. I'll probably episode watch it tomorrow. So man, I, I am behind. I yeah. am behind. All right, everybody. Peace.
0: Hey, peace.